1: podcasts welcome back to silver and black today the tuesday edition as this victory week for those of you in raider nation rolls on here on silver and black today in odyssey original podcast your hosts he is mo Moten. he is the senior nfl writer over at bleacher report also raiders columns at sportsnot.com i am scott gobranson your co-host i am also a writer and editor over at sports.com where you can catch all work. You can follow Mo on X.com at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L V Gully. The show is S N B today. You can find us anywhere you want to find us. The question is: do we want you to find us? Yes, we We appreciate you guys being there. Without you, we don't have this show, so thank you so much for that. We got our latest, and I, you know, this is where we gotta do a little victory lap, Mo. I mean, you know, we're humble guys, but the show is doing really well on the Odyssey Sports Network, right? We are our kick and booty um, number three in the NFL, still, right? Number mm-hmm. five in the network when it comes to sports in general. I mean, we're just we're just rolling, baby.
0: And this is with a Raider team that was struggling for the first. <laughs> Yes, eight, you know, eight weeks to score points. So, yes. that's all. That's all fan power. That's all. Absolutely. you watching and listening, downloading the show, hitting the little download button. That's all, y'all. We we're just up here breathing into microphones. <laughs> you guys and guys out there, move the numbers.
1: <laughs> yes, and 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 it. That's what. That's the point I was going to make too, Mo. Is it is because of the listeners, Raider Nation. Just it. It goes to show the power of the fan base in Raider Nation because the fact that we are are ahead of national podcasts that talk about sports and teams that are doing really well (laughs) right now the eagles podcast is number one in our network and they of course they just continue to roll the company's also based in philly the guys in the philly podcast are on the radio in philly so they they have a lot going for and they're great they're amazing it's an amazing show but the fact that raider nation makes this show where it stands in the network is is, it just blows me away so thank you all. (laughs) for being there
0: really quick. Someone asked me on the X, you know, with the rate, but this is before the Josh McDaniels firing. Someone asked me, do people, do fans really care about what happens with the Raiders this season? And I said, they may be disappointed. They may be frustrated with the direction of the franchise, but fans still care. They still want to know what's going to happen next with their football team. And I, you know, I see it in my mentions all the time. People asking questions, people listening to our show, the numbers show it fans still care, regardless of what the Raiders record looks like or the roster.
1: Yes. And, and for example, we did our, which was beset by some technical issues because Murph was in the parking lot at Allegiant Stadium and the microphones weren't working. So apologies for the podcast quality uh, on Monday morning, if you listened to that on Monday morning or, or watched us on video. Um, but at first, you know, our numbers, like I was watching the number of people who came on live and watched us. And I was like, man, it's a little lower than the last couple of weeks when, when the Raiders were really looking terrible. And I'm like, does is it really negativity drives more? And then it kind of caught up, right? So people got in. I think they were enjoying themselves after the win, frankly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah now it's live. They were celebrating yeah. a little more instead of wanting to go vent right after the game. Uh, but it all worked out, which is good. But, yes, everybody wants their team to do well. I mean, you don't – I know some, oh, tank for this, tank for that. But nobody wants their team – to be the laughing stock of the NFL, that doesn't feel good. Because then, when you tell people, "Wow, well, what's your favorite team?" Uh, no, Raider Nation's <laughs> not like that. They're very proud. So, thank you again for all of that. All right, this last segment, but we want to talk about um, Antonio Pierce. We want to talk about his opportunity here and 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 the changes we saw. But we got to take a step back because Sunday, the big bombshell dropped. Jay Glazer, he always has one big one every Sunday on Fox Sports, mm-hmm. um, and and he drops the story about the team meeting last week, and how Josh McDaniels let the players air their grievances, and then he let coaches speak too. And in a nutshell, and then you'll get to the importance of this, and if I miss something, call me on it. In a nutshell, he heard, obviously, a lot of criticism of him from the players, a lot of dis- discontent. then. He heard from the coaches, one of which was Antonio Pierce, who got up and, and, and talked about a team coming together and believing in one another and building that culture, okay? And he used the example of his Giants team that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, who happened to have an offensive coordinator at the time, whose name was Josh McDaniels. <laughs> so he used this as an example, right? So any level-headed person, you know, I work for company A, I go to work for company B. We want to beat company A, even though it's my old company, right? They were good to me. They paid me well. I learned a lot there. But now I'm with company B, and that's my loyalty. Well, apparently not for Josh McDaniels, who admonished Antonio Pierce for mentioning the Patriots and the fact that the Giants beat him and using that as his example, which is a different level of pettiness and and tyrannic activity that it just blew me away. And that's why it was such a big story. So Mo, now I'm going to turn it over to you because I know you have some huge points to make here about this story and what it means.
0: If I'm Mark Davis, with my white windbreaker getup outfit, Raider, Raidered out, right? And I'm hearing this that Josh McDaniels was upset with Antonio Pierce for bringing up the 2007 Giants beating the undefeated Patriots to motivate my players in the locker room. I am steaming mad, simply because Josh McDaniels. I understand you were the Patriots organization for you know how many decades, but you're a Raider head coach now. This is your assistant trying to motivate your players, and you're <laughs> defending the Patriots like that was like you you had to put that in the past. As I said, you were hired by the Reds to be their head coach, not to get in there and defend the Patriots. Like I don't I don't understand that. I, it, you know, a lot of people disputed the validity of J- Jay Glazer's story, and I will say Jay Glazer is one of the well-respected NFL insiders. He would not fabricate or lie about that. And I could see it from a Joshua McDaniels saying, Look, don't talk about, it. He's, he basically said, and I'm you know, saying what Jake Gleason said, Joshua McDaniels told Antonio Pierce, don't talk to the Patriots, don't talk about the Patriots that way. And I saw that speech as not a disrespect to the Patriots, but a way to motivate your players to say, hey, we can establish our own culture. And anytime we step on the field, we have to believe that we're better than the opponent. No, Josh McDaniels took it as a shot at the Patriots. And to me, as you said, it's another level of pettiness. It's another level of small mindedness. It's the, it's, it's being unaware, missing the entire point of the speech. And I, as I said, if I'm the owner of that team, I'm, if I'm hearing that, I'm thinking that's a, that's a fireball offense. You don't Absolutely. come in our, you don't come into our headquarters and defend an opponent that you used to coach for. You coach the Raiders, right? You coach the Raiders right now. It's all about the Raiders. He took the Patriot way way over, over the line on that one. I understand he's trying to implement what he had in New England, but you don't go into Raiders headquarters and, and basically chide your assistant for, for, for trying to make a point to your players and defend your prior organization, your former organization, excuse me. But it's to me that that's a fireable offense in itself. Because it's, it should be all about the Raiders and how to help your football team, not defending your former organization.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and again, look, personality-wise, we've talked about it on this show, too. And you said, hey, who did he learn from? He learned from Belichick. The difference is he's clearly not as smart or as effective as a leader as Belichick. All of the statements, the Patriot stuff you heard, put in the work, those are all Belichick-isms The problem is Belichick had a way to do it and to get guys to buy in. Now, they didn't always like him, but they still found – he did it in a way. He had a style and an approach that got players on the same page and believing. And he had Tom Brady. He had Tom Brady who also as a leader, no matter what you think of Tom Brady, obviously got guys into a position to where they believed in what was going on. And I think he was also – um, a, a, a mediator in that, right? So to me, that's why this story was so big. And you're absolutely right. It, it sealed his fate. Then Mo, the part that you left out, or we didn't talk about yet. I shouldn't say you left out was that after that meeting, they go to practice and the rest of the way through the Detroit game. And he's given everybody the cold shoulder. His, they said he chained, you could vis- visibly see him. Chain, so he got a dose of, it's you, brother, and instead of being introspective and looking at it and saying, you know what, maybe I don't agree with all of it, but I gotta take a look at myself. What can I do better? I do better to set this team up for success. Instead, he acts like a 12-year-old who's upset that they got their video games taken away, right? <laughs> and that tells you everything. You. At, at age 47, with the experience he has, if that's your reaction, you have no business being around a football team, let alone running one, okay? So so that is without question just the most unbelievable—I mean, not unbelievable, but the most believable story that you'll see about what why this guy can't succeed. It's not that he doesn't know offense. He clearly does. But he can't lead that way. And it almost brought down, um, I think, this franchise from uh, in a very significant way. If Mark Davis wouldn't have acted, it could have got a lot worse.
0: Ian Rappaport, his words were the meeting broke Josh McDaniels. And basically, during Thursday's practice, he went into a show. He wasn't correcting players because, you know, practice is for correcting mistakes and working on things. Basically, Ian Rapport said, wasn't correcting players, letting things slide, letting things go, and just as you, being very passive-aggressive. And I will say this, you cannot be a, an effective, passive-aggressive leader. That's, that, right. Those two things just don't mix when it comes to efficiency and being an, an effective leader. You can't hold things in and be defensive and be a leader because part of being a leader is being proactive and understanding faults. And as you said, introspectiveness and saying, okay, I have to look in the mirror and fix things. I, 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 me, me, me. Right. Not me as in selfish me, but I have to take self-accountability. And we talked about the press conferences, right? And and the point about the press conferences is players listen. We, you may not listen to all the press conferences because you may say, oh, Josh is not going to tell you anything, but players listen. And they're listening to see if you're going to take responsibility or accountability for some of the mistakes you made during these games. But if you're constantly deflecting and saying, no, this was the issue, you know, we have to execute better. We, the other team did this. They're looking, the players are listening to that and saying, what about you, Josh? So when they had that team meeting and he opened the floor up to everyone, and he said, well, let's talk about the issues. The players and coaches said, well, let's start with you, Josh McDaniels, because you are the biggest problem here. And then when he <laughs> got that full dosage of you have to be accountable for your mistakes, he couldn't handle it. And couldn't that's not that. a leader. That's just not, not a leader.
1: Not only could he not handle, but the other thing too that hasn't propped up here, but but again, and and I'm I want to make this clear that I'm making these assumptions. So this is on me. Nobody's reporting this. But I also think based on what we heard in those press conferences through this stretch with Josh McDaniels, too, which I know probably irked the players, was he played favorites, right? So Jimmy Garoppolo performs poorly, will not criticize him. And again, I'm not saying you go throw your player fully under the bus and just say he's terrible. I'm not saying that. There's nuanced ways, including ways he could see Bill Belichick do it, where you talk about, hey, quarterback's not performing um, and, and it's a problem, right? You acknowledge the problem and say, yes, he's part of the problem. He's not the whole problem. We got other things wrong here too, but he's part of the problem. He needs to do X, Y, and Z. Instead, what was it? Well, that's a bunch of little things. No, nah, that's a bunch of little things. No, nah, Jimmy, you know, yeah, he's got to protect the ball, but 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 we, we're making mistakes all over. Well, no, you have to call call it out for what it is. And I think too, that war on people as well. So here's a guy, and the quarterback's the most, posi- most important position in the NFL, excuse me, And you are not acknowledging that you have a major problem there because when you had a chance to start your rookie, you start a guy who's way over, way washed out and and doesn't give you any chance to win. So there was that too. So this all coupled together, you can see (laughs) why this team, I don't know how good this team can be, Mo. I just don't know because under that type of leadership, you were never going to get good results. Now they have new leadership and the results are better in one game, but now the key is to be consistent.
0: I will say it's a better team than we saw in the first eight weeks in the season.
1: Absolutely, 100%. In every possible way, right? And -hmm. the defense has now continued a a four-week stretch of progress and getting better. Still need to make some more push up the middle, but boy, I still believe, and and of course need more production out of the other end, but, but I still believe that that is a really good sign. They need some more talent. They have some good talent that they can get more out of. And we'll see that. But let's now delve into the Antonio Pierce because everybody's fired up about Antonio Pierce. They love him. Media loves him because it's mostly former players in the media now. And he gets players, which you and I, we can't. We didn't play in the NFL. We can't relate on that level. So, So the fact that you have a coach who can do it doesn't mean that that is the key to success and that will make you successful. There are a lot of other things included here. But you look at some of the numbers again. If you look at Raiders coaches that had a 20 plus point wins over the last 20 seasons 20 seasons so going back to 2001 or 2003 excuse me 3 tom cable in 44 games had four 20 plus point wins john gruden in 53 games one 20 plus win jack Del rio 44 games as well one north turner in 32 games one and Antonio Pierce in one game has a twenty-plus point win. So, you know, again, I know numbers, you can manipulate them all you want, but that was pretty impressive. I also look at um, um, the other stat I had here, which I'll get to in a minute, but Antonio Pierce, right guy, right moment. Rich Passaccia was the same way as far as when all that stuff went down in 2021. He was Johnny on the spot. He kept the team together. He rallied the troops, and they had a nice little run towards the end of that and made the playoffs. Antonio Pierce, he's, he's auditioning here, Mo, and, and he doesn't have a lot of experience coaching. Yes, he was at Arizona State and coached high school, all that stuff, but at the NFL level, being a head coach, not so much. But he's got people believing, he's got the players believing, so he is the right guy at the right time. What do we need to see over the next eight games That will show that he is the right guy moving forward, i.e., as a permanent head coach.
0: I think you have to start with the Raiders finishing with a winning record. So if the Raiders go, what is it, six and three under Antonio Pierce, it would be they're one and zero right now under him. Then that starts the conversation of do we bring him back because you took a team that was three and five under five hundred and you got them to a winning record and usually nine and eight you're vying for a playoff spot. So that means the Raiders were at least in contention for a playoff spot by the end of the year when the second half of the schedule gets a little more difficult than the first half of it. So I think six and three is where you start the conversation. If the Raiders make the playoffs, definitely. He he has a, a real shot at that point, obviously, if the Raiders make the playoffs, because as I said, it's human nature to self-correct after making a, a a mistake right sure. so the raiders got to the playoffs under rich Bisacci. I know a lot of people say well, it was the cold week year or other teams had injuries and the raiders snuck in through the back door i get that but what the raiders had with rich pistachio was a lot better than what they got with josh mcdaniels and i think it's human nature to for mark davis to look at that and say well i had an interim head coach who got us to the playoffs and the players responded to that interim head coach and and vouched for him because the reports came out that players vouched for rich Basaccia. If that happens again, I'm not going to make that same mistake and go in another direction unless there's this candidate that I absolutely want that's available. Right. So I, I think, with again, the conversation starts at 6-3 and three if, the, if the Raiders have a winning record. It bumps up if the Raiders obviously make the playoffs. And and it goes without saying, if they win a playoff game, they <laughs> win their first playoff game in how long, He he's probably going to get the job if they win a playoff game. Now, a lot mm-hmm. of people say, oh, that's a low bar to, to scale. But as I said, when is the last time the Raiders won a playoff game? So,
1: And I I think, Mo, it's a high bar because, I mean, again, where this team is at and you look at the rest of the AFC. Now, it's a long season. We see the San Francisco 49ers really struggling, mm -hmm. right, which some of us saw because of the quarterback thing. But then you look at the Dolphins struggling. You look at the Bills lose on Sunday night to the Bengals again. So you never know what's going to happen. But to get to the playoffs as an interim coach with a team that was below 500 when you took over because the other guy got fired – that's a big task. And I think what people are going to say, because a lot of what I've been seeing um, from former players, from fans, from some in the media has been, this guy's a Raider. He grew up in Compton. He's, he loves the Raiders. This is a guy who gets us. And, and I don't disagree. I think he has all the intangibles that you would want to lead your team, right? But the big but here becomes, you, it's a results business. So you have to show. Now, if he goes uh, and and like you said, goes six and three, gets in the playoffs, makes gets a, a playoff win, and this team performs well. And Aiden Connell, O'Connell develops nicely to the point by the end of the season, you're like, boy, this guy is a starting quarterback in the NFL too. I'm not putting that all on him, but if that stuff happens, then yes. But I just want people to realize, I think, and again, I don't want to be the wet blanket that it's a long road, right?
0: It's a long road, but I, I just want to say that. One thing that Antonio Pierce has working for him is he doesn't have to call plays. I say that works in his favor because all he has to do is be a leader in that locker room. So you're not judging him on, you know, how's the offense performing? That's Bo Hardigree. You're not judging him how the defense is performing. You know, he has a defensive background. That's Patrick Graham. So all he has to do is focus on rallying his guys and being a CEO type head coach. So all he's worried about is the bottom line. How many wins do the Raiders get? while he's the interim head coach and that will dictate how strong his candidacy is going to be in the off season so i look at antonio pierce and people say well he has no experience he hasn't he's not a play caller he doesn't need to do that no because all he's asked to do is come in and be the head coach and he has the as you said he has the intangibles it's very clear that the players will rally behind him now going back to that jay glazer story after Antonio Pierce brought up his anecdotal about the Giants 2000, in 2007 being the Patriots, Jay Glenn said it was clear that there was a divide in the locker room and players were starting to side with Antonio Pierce. So they're gravitating toward a leader and they identify yes. that leader. And I made that point on the X that it's not a coincidence that, that Antonio Pierce was chosen to be the interim head coach. They didn't just pick a name out of a hat and Antonio Pierce just won the lottery here. I'm sure players had input. I believe there's a story in The Athletic that said the players talked to Mark Davis. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of, I'm using the word unanimous, but it was very clear that Antonio, Antonio Pierce had the leadership skills to lead this team out of what was under Josh McDaniels. So all he has to do, be a CEO type of head coach, worry about the bottom line. How many wins do we end up with? If it's nine or 10, has a good chance to hold on to that job.
1: Yes. Yes. And I just, I I guess I'm trying to get to a place because I know there were a lot of people who still go back to, well, if they should have hired, Bisacci would have avoided this. And that. while that's true, that does not dictate that Rich Bisacci would have been successful long-term as the Mm -hmm. long-term answer for the the Raiders at head coach.
0: The other thing I want to make a point is a lot of people are drawing parallels between Bisacci taking over and Antonio Pierce taking over. And I will say that the, the The one similarity is they both had to take over for a full-time head coach in their interims. Yes. There's a big difference, though, because remember, Basacha had a a veteran quarterback in Derek Carr. uh, Antonio Pierce, although he's not calling plays, he has a rookie quarterback. (laughs) So I believe Antonio Pierce's road to a winning record and keeping his job is a little more difficult because, as I said, he's not calling plays, so he's not responsible for the offense. You can't give him credit for that. But he also has a rookie quarterback who's learning on the job and a first-time offensive play caller. Greg yeah. Olson took over calling plays under Rich Basacci, and Greg olson has been around the league for how long? Forever. He's been an offensive coordinator before, yeah. so there's a lot of inexperience with Antonio Pierce's group. So it's going to be a lot more difficult for him. So I see the similarities in the interim tag, but there are big differences there.
1: Yeah, and I'm rooting for the guy. I mean, I love I love leaders like Antonio Pierce, and and he's likable. He's rallied these yeah. guys, and and I appreciate the position he's in and the job he's doing. But mm-hmm. you look at the stats since 2000 interim coaches. Okay, out of all the interim coaches, uh, only only three made appearances in playoffs. Only uh, only three had winning records as interim coaches. Uh, the, the most successful interim coach was Jason Garrett in Dallas. He went 80 and 64, and and went on to be in, in three playoffs. So, so the hill is high. It just it has not in the history of the NFL since the year 2000, the last 23 years, when interim coaches take over and then they get the job on a full time basis. Now, situations are all different, and these are different guys. Not saying it's not possible. But the numbers indicate that it just hasn't worked that way, hasn't worked out in the long term when they have gotten full-time jobs. Maybe this is the first time uh, since Jason Garrett that the that, that changes. We'll have to see. But, but it's going to get down to consistency and progress if he's going to have a shot at this.
0: But I say he has a legitimate shot because we don't do know too. what the second half Absolutely. of the season is going to look like. I would say, as I said, if he... He's able to get them to nine and eight, ten and seven, and of course a playoff spot and a playoff win, the first playoff win in 20 plus years. he absolutely has a legitimate shot and I think a report came out that Mark Davis is going to take a long look at him and put him in consideration he, He's as you said, he's auditioning right now, so yeah. all I could say is you take it one week at a time, but I think the bar starts at nine and eight, nine and eight and then a playoff spot
1: and, and you're right, anything can happen? And I, we talk about the difficulty of the schedule. They go to Miami, and then they play Kansas City. Kansas City's defense is pretty dang good. Their mm-hmm. offense uh, has fallen off a lot. So it gives you a chance if you can if you can outscore them a little bit, which is a little easier than in past years. So so anything – and that's why I said, even before the Detroit game, I said, hey, man, it's week-by-week week league. You just never know what's going to happen. So, so I know everybody's rooting for Antonio Pierce. And um, certainly would be a great personality to have that. He's a straight shooter. I love that. I love that he's like that with his players. He's like that with the media. He's like that with fans. Uh, and that's something that this this organization could use moving forward. So we'll see how it all ends up. I'll give you the last word here before we wrap the show up, Mo.
0: A lot of fans uh, were in my Bleach Report live stream Sunday night, and they said he re- He reminds them of Mike Tomlin with his mannerisms and how he Uh, talks to the media at at these pressers. And I think that's the type of, not that he has to be Mike Tomlin 2.0, but I think that's the type of leader that the Raiders need as a head coach after what they had with Josh McDaniels for a year and a half.
1: And again, right place, right time. I mean, not that he's not talented and doesn't deserve this opportunity, but he's the right guy. Like he's the Mm -hmm. right guy with the personality, Mm -hmm. relates to players because he is Mm -hmm. one. And Mm -hmm. that so significantly changes things for the guys in the locker room. And you saw that with all the, the videos and everything this week, including the, the cigar smoking after the, the win <laughs> celebrating. So all good there. Uh, Mo, what do you got coming up? It's Tuesday now. I know we'll be back here on the show for Thursday and Friday with the mailbag, but what do you got in between?
0: Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. I'll have a Bleacher Report live stream uh, topic to be announced. It'll be a positive show because obviously the Raiders are coming off their first win under (laughs) interim head coach Antonio Pierce. So be tuned for that. I also have another Sports Night piece coming up on Thursday. Again, topic to be announced. I like to give people surprises So they they continue to tune in (laughs) and follow what I'm doing. So I don't want to give it away too early. But again, it's going to be an uplifting week. Big game against the Jets coming up on Sunday night football. All of a sudden, that becomes an interesting game. Because like I said, both these teams probably will be vying for a wildcard spot down down the stretch. So this tiebreaker game is going to be very important coming up.
1: It will be. It'll be a a good one. And I think the team rushing up to it, you know, having the Jets are going to have the short week because they played on Monday night. And uh, so there's a little bit of an advantage and they're playing at home and the Raiders, I think, you know, from, from Murph's estimate, 70% Raider fans in that stadium against the Giants and the Giants travel pretty well. The Jets should travel pretty well. It's a weekend trip to Vegas. So, um, but Raider fans showed out ticket prices are down right now. Maybe they'll go back up this week. We'll see, but, uh, that's all a good sign for this Raiders team. So, all right, buddy, we will, we will talk to you again on Thursday.
0: For, for family and friends listening to this who will be traveling to the Raiders-Jets game, behave yourself at Allegiant Stadium. Don't wreck the stadium. Oh, I, have, I know a lot of people that will be traveling to that game. It's going to be fun.
1: Good, man. I appreciate you, brother. I'll see you. I'll see you on Thursday. All right. For everybody here at Silver and Black today, we appreciate you being with us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your audio. And also, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe and the notification bell so you know every time we have a new video. For our producer, Mike Robier for Momotin, I am Scott Colbranson. We will see you on Thursday, Raider Nation. Thanks for being with us.